Do you want me to do it? Yeah, whenever you're ready. I'm All ready. right. We should get some of those little bells ringing, though, don't you think? Like the what do Christmas, you mean? Like the Christmas bells? Like, ding, 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 ding. Okay. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> We're not recording nothing. <laughs> and because of that, they, we are we are releasing four episodes of the top top 2022 uh, of our podcast. So this was a weird introduction. Thank you for being so faithful to our podcast and listening. We want to bless you with four of our older, most popular episodes. I hope you enjoy it. Merry Christmas. We're talking fatherhood today on Life Talks. I'm Britt Nipper, Life Talks producer, sitting in once again with Pastor Dan Burrell. So today we're going to discuss, as I said, fatherhood, what that means, how uh, fatherhood uh, impacts the children that we have, and also how we should be as fathers um, in a culture today that that constantly puts down fathers, I would say. So Dan, um, tell us a little bit about where we're going to go today with with this topic. Well, <clears throat> I get questioned about this a lot. In fact, I recently did a uh, a talk with the men of our church on a Saturday morning, um, and it was scheduled to go for like 20 minutes, and an hour later we, we just shut it down because, you know, the questions kept coming. And I, I pledged to them at that time that I would revisit it in a variety of forums. So this is one of my efforts. So if you're a lady listening to this broadcast, you may say, well, I don't need to listen to this one. It's not for me. I would disagree. I, I think you need to understand uh, in your own home relationship um, the importance of fatherhood and what a father can and should do. You may want to urge your husband to listen to this later if he isn't in the habit of listening to Life Talks. If you're a single mom, I think it's important as well because you need to understand the role of father uh, and, and maybe some of the gaps that you're going to have to fill as a mom if you are the um, sole or primary caregiver for your children. So uh, it's going to be kind of a, a, a broad conversation, Britt, but I think it's an important one. So you cannot turn on the TV today without football games or whatever, seeing a commercial come on where the dad is just an idiot. Right. He just looks right. like the dopiest guy around, doesn't know what he's doing, falling all over the place. I forgot the kid's soccer. They, right. Fathers are idiots right. is what TV and culture says. So what what is the state of fatherhood in our culture and in our church today? Well, I think it's in, in crisis, and I think it's in crisis because there is a left-leaning agenda of feminism um, that's kind of a, a cultural and social egalitarian idea that um, you know that women have been put down for too long, and in some ways they have. I'm not going to dispute that, but you don't build somebody up by tearing the other person down, mm. and that's basically what has happened. You look even back in the history of the entertainment industry. Uh, you go back to the 50s and 60s, and most most of our listeners don't remember those days. Um, I don't remember the 50s, but I do remember the 60s. You had a, a more traditional uh, view of uh, a nuclear family that would be portrayed in the media, whether it's Father Knows Best or Leave It to Beaver uh, or some of those. In the seven, even in an, in a uh, family that was non-traditional, like the Brady Bunch, um, there there was still the idea that the father was a you know a, a competent leader, um, a voice to be respected. Uh, in the late seventies, uh, early eighties, it began shifting, um, and and uh, probably the first major shift would have been in a show called Married with Children. Um, and uh, the dad and that was just a, a goofball. Um, and pretty much every portrayal of fatherhood today, uh, it was the 80s were kind of transitional because you had Bill Cosby um, and he was kind of like America's dad. But even in that role, he was kind of a, a goofy dad. Uh, he certainly was. Uh, uh, the wife there was the more stable, traditional one. And dad was the fun one. Um, but but today you just rarely find 
um, uh, an example in popular culture of a, of a stable, strong, leading dad. Um, and and it's, it's for cheap laughs. I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing, too, is people constantly say, well, you know, that wasn't reality. That was, well, you know what? Entertainment isn't reality. It, it's ideals. Uh, people but would, art does imitate life at it, times. It, it, it does. Um, and, and also life imitates art. Yeah, and I, I don't think we can deny that. And, uh, you, you know, we have normalized dysfunction in the home, uh, whether we're talking Roseanne or any of those where women are loud and aggressive, men are stupid and dull, and um, and somehow this is supposed to be normal. And they do it for cheap laughs and they do it for this. But in the process, I think they've reprogrammed our expectations of what should be happening in the home. And I'm not talking about an uh, you know, going to an era where it's such a, uh, you know, a patriarchal, uh, stifling, uh, you know, relationship in the home that it's, you know, one step removed from the Stepford, Stepford wives. <laughs> but I, I do believe that it is possible to have a strong husband and a strong wife, a strong father and a strong mother fulfilling their unique but equal roles in the home in such a way that it's good for the children and it's good for our culture and society as well. And we've discussed it on numerous podcasts here before. Hollywood has an agenda. They don't just accidentally do something. So when you see them pushing these little things, as Dan said, it does start off for laughs. It starts off funny. And if you can laugh at something that lets your guard down, then you become to accept it. Like take a look at the show Modern Family. I mean, here's a family had two dads, right? You know, in it. So that's what you look at now. When when Hollywood puts that in your face, you laugh at it at first, and then your guard comes down, and then now it's oh well, maybe that is acceptable because they've made it seem so innocent. Yeah, and you can actually see the progression in that because they don't start off with having uh, two gay dads in a relationship, uh, sexual relationship, raising children. Um, it, there were pre programs. Um, there there was one called My Two Dads, where two guys were living out of convenience. Uh, and co-parenting, but there was nothing sexual about their relationship, implied or otherwise. Uh, even The Odd Couple, um, which was a famous Broadway show be- before it became a, um, a television sitcom, um, you know, their their relationship was, was roommates. Uh, but in the process, it began changing how we viewed, um, you know, what we expected from a home, from relationships and so forth. And so now today, if, um, you know, uh, apart from my narrow role as a pastor, if I were to just be a podcaster speaking out against the idea of uh, a homosexual normalcy and parenting, um, I'd be canceled and, and, and so forth. I, I get a little bit of liberty because I'm a pastor and, and people say, oh, well, he's religious. Uh, but, uh, but, but the reality is uh, today it's, it's flipped on its ear. Yeah. And well, I'm glad you brought up the religious aspect of it because what most people would say, what happens in my home is my business, Yeah. right? What happens mm-hmm. in my home? So stay out of it. Well, why should the church care about the this this decline in fatherhood and the role of fatherhood. Yeah, I, w- I would say you know kind of as a conservatarian myself, I I generally lean toward that what happens in my role is at least none of the government's business. Yes, for for sure. Um, but I do believe it is the church's business because the church is an assembly of the body of Christ and Christ. Um, and, and, the, and the scripture, Christ being the living word and the scripture being the written word, had a lot to say about the family and the structure. And it began in the Garden of Eden, in the Book of Beginnings. It was the idea that, uh, that a man and a wife would leave their parents. They would join together. They would de- de- produce children. The roles between husband and wife were different. Uh, the childbearing had ramifications for the woman. The, uh, the, the man was to be the caretaker. He was to sweat in the field providing for his family. The leadership that he was to 
provide was very clearly delineated, both in the book of Genesis, beginning in the garden, and through the children of Israel as well. So God has an interest in the nuclear family. There are three institutions that God founded himself. And the first one was the family. The second was civil government. The third was the church. But these institutions are the hallmarks. They're the cornerstones. They're the pillars upon which civilization is built. And when we mess with those, we mess with the very stability of civilization, and we need to be very, very cautious about it. So scripture is given to us for our protection, not for our abuse. And 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 so when we look at, at the, the role of male and female, we look at the role of fathers and mothers, we look at the role of husbands and wives, uh, particularly for a believer, it's incumbent upon us to examine what the scripture says we should be doing, look at the models we find in scripture, both good and bad, and then try to emulate them for our good and God's glory. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you real quick. I know men would say, some men would say what I'm about to say because they don't want the responsibility, but I hear females, younger females saying this too, of everything you just described about the setup of the family, the way God ordained it, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. What would you, what's your response? How would you respond to someone who says that's not fair? Yeah, well, fair is not a value that God, you know, emphasizes in Scripture. He emphasizes justice, and he in, in, he, he certainly um, is a just God. But justice is not always fairness, first of all, uh, because sometimes you can be merciful and and undo uh, what some perceive to be fair. Uh, but at the end, God is the arbiter of what is fair and what is not fair, what is right, what is just, and so sometimes justice is subjective, whereas God. God's standard is objective. So fairness, and you know, it may not be fair, I got a ticket when everybody else didn't, but regardless, the law is the law, and when we disregard the law, we're supposed to get the penalty for that. So other people, you know, it actually sounds quite immature for us to, to whine because justice sometimes is inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, we know what's right or wrong. We shouldn't be in the position of whether or not we're going to have to have the consequences of our incorrect or sinful or, or wrong decisions. Um, so, you know, our emphasis ought not be on fair, but rather what is right. And when our emphasis is on that, then it doesn't matter whether it's fair or not, because our our peace, our satisfaction, fulfillment and our safety comes from the idea that we're doing what is right. And that kind of reminds me of the clay doesn't look at the potter and say... You know, <laughs> exactly. But, you know, that's that's been the problem since the very beginning where Satan did not want to yield to the authority of the father. Uh, you know, he wanted to be the father. And and so um, when when we find ourselves, um, you know, resisting, uh, rebelling against God's plan, God's standard, the problem is not the standard. It's our response to the standard. And and um, in, in a world today that wants, you know, to to emulate Satan's attitude, we want things our way, convenient, pleasurable, whatever for us, uh, then we're quick to throw out the standard that was given there all along for our good and for God's glory. And, and, and in fact, I probably got those reversed. God's glory is more <laughs> important even than what's good for us. But yeah. what when we glorify God, it is good for us. It may not feel that way at the moment, but we don't have the full story, the full picture. And, and bottom line is we are clay and he is the potter. Mm-hmm. So um, that yieldedness, that submission is essential to our, our faith uh, that we will trust Christ with our eternity, with our soul. Yeah, when I first met my wife, she wasn't a believer. And when we you know, get delved into some of this stuff, she had that same attitude of, that doesn't make sense. What, mm-hmm. is, what am I, less than you are? Mm-hmm. And of course, I explained to her, that's not God's intent behind any of this. It's not to make one lesser. We just have roles. So as she evolved and learned more about God's plan and she was saved, she said she finally reached this point of, wait a second. So your responsibility is to be the leader, 
be the husband and the father, lead us spiritually, make decisions, talk to God, all this other stuff. And she said, all I have to do is follow that lead. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'll take that any day. <laughs> so her, her, her view and role of uh, everything did evolve over time. And I think when people do dig into what God has set out for you, you do learn that your role and, and her role as a wife and my role as a father and a husband are both vitally important, but they play different aspects in our, our lives as a marriage and in our children's lives as well. Yeah, and and I would add to that, I think we need to be constantly aware of the insidious, corrosive consequences of living in rebellion. Um, And and it corrodes our relationship with God, and it corrodes our relationship with our family and the church and our community. Um, Rebellion is of Satan. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is literally the original sin that was motivated by his pride. Um, And and so, and and submission is a dirty word in our culture today, particularly for Americans. You know, we Americans, we want our rights. In Christ, we have no rights. We give up our rights. We are bond slaves, bond servants to Christ. We are willfully submitting to his authority in our life. And that's hard for a lot of people in it's our hard. culture now. And it's a difference in reality, in my opinion, it's a difference between salvation and damnation. Mm. Until we're willing to submit to the authority of God, we are not redeemed. Yeah. And so it's crucial. And by the way, I think that's a part of the reason why parents need to be teaching our children to submit to our authority. Um, you know, not everybody in the home is equal. It's not a democracy. It's a benevolent dictatorship. <laughs> uh, the, the, the parents ought to be in charge. When we teach our kids to submit to a higher authority, which in the home is us, we're teaching them and modeling what it looks like to submit to the higher authority of the universe, which is God himself. Yeah. And submit to it whether you like it or not, because some things you don't like and don't understand, but you still have to. Like our kids do that all the time. Why can't I go out and play in the snow for the third time today? Because yeah. we don't want to put all your clothes on and they're wet and you'll get sick and, mm-hmm. you know, there's. There's things that we have to go through that, that they don't understand, and there's things that God asks us to do that we don't always understand. But and again, he's our creator, so do it. <laughs> yeah, and it's important for children and it's important for adults to remember that often rebellion is a sign of immaturity. Mm, it's, yeah. a, it's a sign of willful childishness. And, 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 and so whether we're rebelling against our parents or we're rebelling against God, uh, there's, there's a theme going on here, and that's that we don't trust what God has set up. We don't trust the standard, uh, the absolute of, of truth. And uh, so you know, there, that's why it's so important to have your home modeled biblically because it has such spiritual ramifications. Mm, yeah. Um, so let's take this spotlight and kind of narrow it down a little bit and just focus on, we've been talking about the family in a broader sense, but let's focus on the father. What is the primary role of the father? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a little bit cliche, but I think it's important that first of all, our responsibility is to love. Um, and, and secondly, it is to lead. Uh, thirdly, it is to provide. And finally, it is to protect. So love, lead, provide, and protect. And those are, those are, uh, created, I think, to some, to some, um, degree in our DNA. Uh, first of all, love is a command that begins with Scripture, that we're uh, to love God first. Uh, but, uh, you know, throughout Scripture, we see this constant example. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. Well, how much did Christ love the church enough to die for mm-hmm. it? So th- there's an example. Again, fathers love your children. Again, it's a commandment. It's also just a, an expectation that if you can't love your wife and you can't love your kids, uh, you're not going to love the rest of the community as well. If you don't love God, you don't know what real love is, and so you'll never be effective in loving others. So, you know, and then the leading. And, and God created men to lead. Um, it's biological, it's psychological, it's physiological, um, regardless of what we see going on, uh, you know, in a, in a world that wants to, to uh, annihilate genders. 
and gender roles um, and, and through the transvestite movement that's going on. Um, the, the reality is men are physically stronger. Testosterone has an impact on a on a male. And uh, to the degree to which testosterone, and by the way, women have testosterone too. They just don't have it at the same level as men. But to the degree to which men have been allowed to have testosterone develop them muscularly and physically, physiologically, um, they're going to be stronger. They're going to be bigger. They're going to be faster. Uh, this notion, we've got a controversy going on right now where, um, you know, two trans swimmers uh, on, on a collegiate mm, level yeah. uh, who actually went through puberty as, as males, uh, they're still males biologically, by the way, I refuse to call them females. Um, but uh, they're, they're now breaking all of the records previously held by females. And if I was the daughter of a champion female, or I'm sorry, the father of a champion female uh, swimmer and have her her uh, record canceled by um, uh, a, a, what is technically a mentally ill young man who is, who is taking on the role of a woman, I'd be furious. Mm-hmm. I'd be furious. This, by the way, as an educator who understands, you know, Title IX and some of the things that are, are part of our, even our government system, uh, this is a nihilist and will be the end of women athletics. Uh, they're going to have to solve this problem, but they've injected politics into science, and as a result, uh, they've confused everybody, and, and they're turning the world upside down. But apart from that, uh, we, need, we need to understand that there are differences between men and women biologically, physiologically, and one of those is a desire to lead. That's why men start wars. We break things and kill people. That's, that's men. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's part of the aggression. It's part of why men struggle with anger. Now, again, out of control, it's a problem. But we're, we're, we ought to be assuming that yielding to God, yielding to truth, yielding to absolutes tempers those aggressive parts of our personality. And so then the other is provide and protect. Protect, again, goes with this idea of masculinity. Uh, if, you know, I enter the house before my wife does. And the reason I do that is if there's an invader in my house, they're going to have to do business with me before they get mm-hmm. to my wife. Uh, when I walk down the street, I walk closest to the street. If yep. a car jumps the curb, then they're going to hit me before they hit my wife. That's part of my protective My nature. wife thought that was so funny when I did that. The first few times, I would just push her over to the other side and yeah. I would walk closest to the street. Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, somebody taught you that. Was it your dad? Um, I believe it was. It's just something, yeah, I kind of saw and learned. I believe yeah, dad, yeah. I picked it up from him. But yeah. this is, when we get into the details, this is one of the things I think men, young boys, I, you know, I follow my wife when she's going up the stairs. That way, if she slips and falls backwards, she lands on me. Yeah. But when I'm going downstairs, I go first. And when I go first, if she falls forward, then she's going to land on me. But she's being protected. I do this subconsciously now, but I was trained to do this. And by the way, I suggested this at, at one time in, a, in an internet article and absolutely got hate mail like you would not believe because they said, well, that's sexist, that's patriarchal. No, that's called being a gentleman. Mm-hmm. It's called being a protector. I won't apologize for it. If you don't want me to assume my role, that's on you, not on me. It doesn't mean I've got to stop doing what God created me to do. And I'm not going to be rude about it, but I'm still going to hold the door open for a lady. Yeah. That, to me, shows respect. It does not show condescension. Uh, if you want to take it as condescension, that's your privilege, and 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 you can glare at me when you walk by or whatever, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. But the bottom line is I'm not going to stop doing doing what I believe is to be right, which is to show respect and deference to someone just as a matter of courtesy. So, and I think it's time for more men to start standing up for our natural roles, to love well, to lead well. And it doesn't mean women don't lead. It doesn't mean women don't love. But this is something that men should be doing uniquely in their relationships. And we ought to, it ought to be a priority for us. And then we should also provide and protect. Bible says that a man does not care for his family is worse than an infidel. 
And it basically means that your testimony for Christ will never work if you don't even take care of your wife and kids. I know of somebody who got married and never held a full-time job, found mm -hmm. out later he was abusive, and found out later that he, you know, was immoral. And yet the, the problem is when we don't fit our roles and we don't do the things that we ought to be doing within our relationship, everything else breaks down as well. A man should be the primary provider. It doesn't mean he'll make more money. It doesn't mean that... Um, it doesn't mean that the wife never works. What it does mean is that the responsibility lies on his shoulders and he feels that need, particularly while the wife is having children and she's taking care of the children when they're young and they're best cared for by their mother and these things are going on, that he assumes that responsibility. However that may look in the context of his home, he is protecting her by providing for her. So those are just four broad general categories. Well, we have quickly run out of time on this first episode, Dan. Uh, we're going to come back for a second one and we'll get into more of the father's role as it pertains to his children specifically how he should raise children uh the difference in raising sons and daughters and just what that looks like in, in a christian household and, and the role of a father in that so again that does it for this episode of life talks we'll catch you next time you've been listening to life talks be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode share this podcast on facebook instagram and twitter to let your friends and family know about life talks We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.